Welcome back to the show. Hour two of Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650 on another delightful Big Band Tuesday. The official automotive automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Uh, James Sharman is going to join us momentarily once we get him on the line here. Of course, head of soccer content for the Parlay, longtime soccer journalist here in Canada. Uh, he'll chat to us a little bit about the European soccer season, the Premier League specifically, and even more specifically, what on earth is happening with Manchester United to start their season. What is your level of soccer expertise? I would say not high. So here's the thing, and I'm sure you've run into this as a sports fan as well. Mm. I like soccer. I like sitting down to watch soccer. There's only so many hours in the day, yeah. right? And I'm not going to be the kind of person who's like setting my alarm on Saturday morning mm. and taking over the TV for my family being right. like, sorry, I got to watch the Tottenham game. I it's just a, not going to happen. I am a big time bandwagon soccer fan. <laughs> All right. Like I've always been into England in the major tournaments. Um, I will obviously be I, watching I, Canada and I've watched and have been very excited by their qualification into this World Cup. I can't wait. It's just, I think it was 100 days to go yesterday. So yes. 99 days, if my math is correct. Uh, to Qatar, uh, the World Cup starting. So I'm really excited about cool. that. But I'm a bit like you. I know generally what's going on, but I don't, I'm not dialed into the day to day, like, how is this guy playing or where does this guy play now, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like, I know, I know there, I know there is a story about Ronaldo at Manchester United right now. Now, normally I work with a couple of guys that actually do know their right. stuff. Halford knows his stuff. Dom says he knows his stuff. <laughs> I was going to say. He also, said, maybe, he, he also said he knows F1. And, and then don't he's put like, Dom in that category. And, and then Dom's like, they have four wheels, right? I'm like, yep, four wheels on F1 now. That's someone with the steering wheel, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now joining us, someone who definitely is dialed in and knows their stuff on soccer. He's the head of soccer content for the Parley. You can also hear him on the Footy Prime podcast. Uh, always a pleasure to be joined by James Sharman. James, thanks very much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing great, fellas. How you doing? We're doing really well. And, you know, we wanted to get you on. We'll, we'll chat a little bit of everything with uh, the Premier League and, and maybe a little bit of uh, what's going on around Europe as well. But specifically, we wanted to start with the situation with Manchester United. They have the disastrous results, uh, losing 4-0 to Brentford on the weekend. Haven't picked up any points yet through two games. And I know this might be a, a really big question that you could talk about for a long time, but what on earth is happening and going wrong at Manchester United these days? <laughs> that is the million-dollar question. Um, the, what's, what's crazy is that it's not that surprising. You know, the seeds has been planted for some time for this, this team to fall apart. It's been very average the last number of seasons. Uh, really since Alex Ferguson left, there's been a decline. There's been some moments some highs, a lot of lows. And then this year, they're bringing a brand new manager. Um, they brought in a couple of new players, but there's something deeply wrong at that club, which I think really starts at the very top with ownership. The Glazer family of North American sports fame um, use it as their cash box. They're not investing in the club. Um, they haven't invested in the academy. The stadium's falling apart. Uh, it's a real sad, sad tailspin. But on the pitch itself, they just have uh, a group of players that have been put together randomly, no real plan in place, and it's just been utter, utter failure. But the hope was that last year, the prodigal son, Cristiano Ronaldo, returns to lead them back to the promised land. Uh, it didn't happen. He, he's, a, he's a winner. 
He's still a very good player, but he's 37. Um, he's not the kind of guy to, to bring you out of the trenches. So, you know, that's one, one sideshow that's really causing issues there at the moment. It's a team that needs to be stripped down once again to the bare bones. And I think the manager, Eric Ten Hag, who had a very, very good young Ajax team the last number of years, he knows that. I think that's what he'd like to do. But will ownership acquiesce or, or do they still demand, you know, ticket sales? Uh, it's just from top to bottom, an absolute mess. And somewhere, so Alex Ferguson, he's actually usually there at the games at Old Trafford looking just miserable. He probably can't believe what's happened since he left 10 years ago. Could this get worse before it gets better? Because Manchester United's next game is on Monday, August 22nd. They got the whole calendar to themselves, and they are hosting Liverpool. And Liverpool needs points, so they're going to be in a bit of a desperation situation because Liverpool has two draws to start the campaign. Yeah, exactly. They're a wounded animal too. Uh, They've had a poor start to the campaign that they drew yesterday to Crystal Palace. Their new star striker, Darwin Nunez, is sent off for a headbutt. So they're angry. Um, they're, they're much better than they look so far, and they're vastly superior to, to Manchester United. They are the, the hated enemies as well. So you're right. At Old Trafford on Monday, uh, Monday Night Football, they call it, in UK, the whole country's watching. That could go wrong in a very bad way, in which case we're talking full crisis. Full crisis three games into the season. I don't think anyone really saw that. I think most observers saw a, a season that will be interesting for United, not a great campaign, a rebuilding campaign. But if you, if you told us that it would be an absolute crisis two, three games into the season, I'm not sure too many people are bought into that. So that could be a rough one for sure, optically and realistically. And I'm sure ownership, the Glazers, uh, Josh Glazers, the one that kind of runs the show these days, he won't be anywhere near that stadium. He'll be back home in the U.S. because... At the moment, that fan base wants blood, and he is the guy they want. Do you think Gareth Southgate is watching what's going on in Manchester United right now and going, I don't know if I want any of these guys on my team for the World <laughs> Cup. Uh, I'm sure Harry Maguire is going to make the squad, but I, he, he's, he's probably going to be the only one, isn't he? I, yeah, I mean, there isn't much. Jaden Sancho, um, I still believe is a fantastic footballer, but has been a disappointment since arriving for around £70 million last season. He's been bad to start this season as well, but the name is Harry Maguire. That's the big one. You know, captain um, of Manchester United, uh, vice-captain at England. He's usually penciled in straight away, starter for England at centre-back. I just don't know if he can right now. He's not playing well enough. Yeah. Uh, again, he was poor on the weekend. He was very average last season. I think he's a good footballer, and most people believe that, but I just think he's at the wrong setting. Whether it's that the pressure he can't take at Manchester United, whether it's those around him, I think that as a player, you talk about getting fresh starts in professional sports, and sometimes it's the best thing for a player. If anyone needs a fresh start, it's Harry Maguire. And if they're going to strip this thing down and start again, which really needs to be done, I think, you could see him moving out at some point. And I don't think you get too many arguments from Harry Maguire, which is a shame because you know when you give him the armband, at United, that's an iconic job, yeah. right? You know, some of the best players ever have had that. It's a very special moment for a player. So for for it to fall apart so badly and to become the, the scapegoat, and he's become the scapegoat of all that's wrong at Manchester United, I do have real sympathy for him. So are, are you more on the opinion that it is ownership of the club and, and not just that they've never suitably replaced Alex Ferguson? Um, well, I mean, listen, how do you replace Alex Ferguson, right? He's yeah. going to be the greatest manager in British football history, one of the best in world football history. It's tough, but 
we're talking 10 years now, right? I understand the next guy out may, may have difficulty filling those shoes. And we saw that with uh, um, well, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer couldn't really do it. Lou Van Hogg couldn't do it. David Moyes couldn't do it. But now, 10 years later, you know, it, I, I don't see why that should be an excuse anymore. So I think it comes from the very, very top. There's been a malaise, um, uh, a decline, and it comes from ownership, an uh, ownership group that don't really care about the success of this team. It's a team that demanded nothing but success for, for a couple of generations there. Number one or failure, that was it. Now I think they look at top four as being the goal. If we get there, great. If not, no big deal. And that's just not good enough. And that filters down. Um, no plan in place. They, they, they hire men to, to pick the team who aren't trained in football. They're more commercial people. They can sell shirts. They can get deals. They're great. They still make money. But you need more football men at, at the helm there or football women at the helm there. And that's been the issue. No leadership at all from the days Alex Ferguson left. Now, I, I don't know how many English football fans are feeling sorry for Manchester United supporters. Uh, they had a good run. <laughs> For, for a while there and it's it's been a decade but only a decade of uh, you know some other clubs have had a lot longer than a, than a decade of darkness but how much harder it is is it do you think for united supporters that their team has kind of gone into the tank at the same time as the rise of manchester city yeah that's exactly it um you know towards the back end of Fergus reign there is when city was bought by the trillionaires of abu dhabi and, and the tide Begin, began to change. I remember Sir Alex Ferguson calling them at one point the noisy neighbors. That's what they were, just an inconvenience. <laughs> and, and here we are now, and they are the dominant force in, in English football. It, it just has to be the most awful thing for United fans. The worst case scenario, add in that Liverpool have also grown and become a champion mm. and won the Premier League again and won the Champions League. That also rubs salt into those wounds. But, you know, you ask the question, you know, what does the average fan think over there? And Let's be honest here, right? Um, and it's not just me this, saying this. They had their time, yeah. and they'll get it again soon because they have the money, and with the right leadership, they'll turn it around. But for the rest of the country who don't support Manchester United, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. We're thoroughly enjoying it. It's like watching the Yankees struggle you know, yeah. when that happens. It doesn't happen often. It's the same thing, right? The rest of the league really enjoys the failures of, of the dynasties. Uh, and that's, I think, you just... While it happens, you embrace it as a generic, as a regular football fan, because you know it won't go on forever. They're too big a brand, too big a club. Something will change eventually, and they'll get back to where they belong. Well, it really was remarkable watching those scenes from uh, Brentford. Uh, obviously, the Brentford supporters were enjoying it, and, that, and you know the the announcers were saying like, "This is something they will never forget. This is going to be one of the the best days of their lives." I'm like, "Okay, well, that might be overstating it, but uh, I mean, it was." But the, but the scenes there were incredible, and there was a glee on social media from all the other clubs and all the other sports, just laughing at United. And I just wonder when they're going to be able to pull out of it. Um, is this a, is this like a five year plan? It, it, and that is if ownership commits to an actual stable plan. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think it has to be because I think to get back to the United way, they have to start investing more in the academy and bringing the kids through. You know, I were always known to do that. You know, they were built around their academy. You talk about the class of 92, the David Beckham's, the Paul Scholes's, the, the Neville brothers, um, you know, Ryan Giggs just before them. That's what the identity of the club was. And since those guys came aboard, there hasn't been much coming from within the club. They must do that, and that doesn't happen overnight. Now, they'll, they'll certainly always spend the money. 
um, you know, on, on a big name player given the opportunity. But he really had to get back down to basics and the United way, and that was promote from within. And that doesn't happen, you know, for next season or the season after. That'll take a long time, I, I think. Now, listen, you can spend your way out of trouble, right? We saw Man City do it when they were bought by the Abu Dhabi trillionaires. They spent money, they bought themselves championships, and now they're sustainable. It can happen with the right people at the helm, but at the moment, they're just not there. I, I really don't know if that they'll succeed until the Glazers are forced out. And fans do have power. We've seen that in the past. Um, there's never been more vitriol towards an ownership group in English football, I don't think, than we're seeing right now at Manchester United. They are hated. So, you know, they have thick skin, I guess, um, but I, I can't see it happening anytime soon. So I think if you're a, a fan other than Manchester United fans right now, you've got a couple more years of enjoyment here, but eventually things will change. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's just a crazy story. It, it really is how it's... I think the trouble is right now, we still compare them to those Fergie teams, right? That, that level of excellence. And it's been 10 years now. Maybe now we just have to, you know, the expectations are what, is what kills them. They are what they are. They're a very average team in the Premier League. Don't expect more. Don't expect less. Uh, in conversation with James Sharman talking uh, English Premier League and Manchester United. And the other thing that really strikes me about their situation is while they've been going through these struggles, Liverpool and Man City have not just been winning, but raising the bar, really, for what it means to be an elite Premier League team. So, you know, not that it's it's easy to win any league around the world, but for Manchester United to get back to the top and back to winning the championship like they're used to, they have to chase down, you know, arguably the two best teams in the world. It's just, it's a, it's a huge job from where they're starting out, given the gap between them and the top teams uh, in the league right now. It is, and the way those teams are built and their, their, their plans for the future, they're not going anywhere either. There'll be transitions of time, and one team may be a little bit less than it was the previous season, but City's going to be a contending team for the foreseeable future for a very long time. Same with Liverpool. Chelsea have new ownership now. They're very ambitious. Arsenal seem to have found themselves finally after their own iconic manager, Arsene Wenger, left a few years ago now. They went through a steep decline. They're now finding a way out of that now by spending in the right positions the right amount of money and finding a very good young coach. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, a team that's very ambitious, a team that's looking really good this season. I don't think there's ever been as much depth in the Prem as we're seeing right now. Um, you know, even when United were at their best, there's two, maybe three top, top caliber teams back in that era. United and Arsenal, United and a Chelsea maybe, mm-hmm. that kind of era. But you're right, now you have those top two teams who have separated themselves from the rest, and you've got three or four teams beneath them, very, very good. Plus, you've got a Newcastle, who are now the richest team in world football, who are extremely ambitious, are going to spend a lot of money. It's going to be harder and harder for any team to, to make that move in the top four football in the coming years. And uh, you know, United right now are very much on the outside looking in. So yeah, you're right, 100%. Um, you can get your house in order, but it's going to be very, very difficult to get to the top of the heap. Who's the best team in London right now? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, Brentford, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I like Arsenal a lot right now. I know Chelsea have done some nice things in the window, and they're going to bring in some more players. Spurs, uh, I love Antonio Conte, what he's doing. But Arsenal, for me, they've built slowly. They've made some really stellar signings this offseason. And I don't know if you're watching the Amazon documentary, um, which is basically flying the wall stuff in Arsenal last mm-hmm. season. I really like Mikel Arteta, their young manager. He seems to know what it's all about. So I like Arsenal right now, but that battle for, for fourth place or third place 
and and the crown is the best team in London. It might be the race to watch, quite honestly, uh, this this season. Will Spurs win a trophy in the next? I don't know, five years ever again. Will Spurs ever <laughs> no, win no, a trophy? No, they won't. They never. That must that must it's, drive them nuts that they they can't get <laughs> any semblance of of a trophy. And I, I know they nearly won Champions League a few years ago, which would have been in, in, incredible. But this is a team that's always seems to be in the mix, but never seems to come out on the top. Like even Arsenal, who struggle over the last. Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, but they've won the FA Cup a couple times. Yeah, they have. Yeah. No, honestly, you guys will enjoy this, but Spurs are the Toronto Maple Leafs of English football. <laughs> well, I thought they were the Canucks. I actually thought they were the Canucks, but maybe they're maybe they're the Leafs. Yeah. Did we lose James? Anyway, we might have lost. We uh, lost James. He hung up at the mention of the Canucks. He was like, "Yeah, get out of here with this." No, the reason I say the Spurs are, uh, or Spurs shouldn't say the Spurs. Yes. Spurs are uh, the Canucks is is because they actually made that Champions League final, mm. right? And the Leafs haven't even made a final since Well, they're also not... The Leafs would be more like if United or Arsenal goes on a long, because they're a bigger brand, right? Right, they have all those champions. Yeah, and they, they've they won in the past. Mm. Tottenham, it feels more like, yeah, okay, they're they're a team you know, but they're not the biggest brand in English soccer, but they're you know still their fans are very demanding, expect them to do really well. And it's just uh, never quite happened to them. We have James Sharman back on the line. Uh, and, and James, just before we uh, we finish up here, I did want to uh, talk about the Barcelona situation quickly with you. And, you know, I, I would say I'm, I'm kind of a casual European footy fan. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not always locked in on the ins and outs. But every time I see a story about what's happening with Barcelona, it just makes me scratch my head. What what exactly is going on there, and what does the future? You know, we talked about Man U, a, a proud club, now falling on hard times. Are we going to see something very similar with Barcelona here in the near future? It's a crazy situation. It really is um, terrible mismanagement, misspending, bad contracts. Um, really resulted in the team getting very close to to economic peril. So a new chairman came in two years ago now, after forcing the previous guy out. And he had to strip down this thing. Um, you saw Leo Messi being forced to leave, for example, last year. Devastating, but they had to leave him because they're contravening all the financial fair play rules within Spain, which you just cannot do. So they stripped down the payroll. Um, and now it's Barcelona. They have egos. They've got to rebuild it. But how do you do that without the money? So they've basically mortgaged their future off. Um, they've sold big chunks of their marketing arm, their marketing company, their merchandising company. Um, all over the next 25 years to finance transfers and contracts now. So right now, the team itself on the pitch is pretty good. That they could win La Liga this year. They've got a great young manager in Xavi, some wonderful young players. Um, and they just signed Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich, who's one of the greatest strikers in, in Europe. Um, so right now, on the pitch, they're looking good. Financially, down the line, well, if they're successful, they they can handle it they can weather the storm and pay their bills but they owe a lot of money to a lot of people so it's a team an iconic brand that that was pretty close to going under uh if you if you read between the lines here but they think on the short term at least they're in good shape right now but what that means for the future i i just don't know no one knows really because uh their financial model is like nothing else we've seen in, in professional football james we really appreciate it always enjoy your insight into european soccer and hopefully we can chat again soon Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks, James. That is James Sharman. He's the head of soccer content for the Parlay. You can hear him on the Footy Prime podcast as well. Always love chatting uh, footy with Sharman. And you could really, I, I enjoyed that conversation. 
uh, Bruff, because you could really hear his glee talking about the downfall and the struggles of Manchester United. There's some glee in the Dunbar Lumber text box as well. Adam and White Rock, being English and a long-suffering Aston Villa fan and growing up in the 90s, surrounded by friends who were Manchester United glory boy fans. Nothing makes me happier than seeing United suck. Jeff and Coquitlam, thanks, Jason, for Premier League Soccer Talk. Give a shout-out to Nottingham Forest back in the Prem. For the first time in 23 years, and I believe they got their first win. There you go. The other day. I can't remember who they beat, but I know they won. Doug from Salmon Arm. I chose Spurs as my team because they reminded me of the Canucks. Doug, maybe choose a different strategy. <laughs> Didn't you want to go time. the other way there? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I get it. Um, it, it must be frustrating. I mean, Spurs are a big money team in, mm-hmm. in London. They've got a, they've got a big new stadium, well, newish stadium. Um, and, uh, they can afford to hang with the big boys, but they just like, they cannot win a trophy. Uh, Rick Campbell is going to join us next. The head coach of the BC lions and the BC lions are off to an incredible start to the CFL season. And we are talking more and more about the BC lines because guess what? The BC lines deserve to be talked about Mm -hmm. and they don't just deserve to be talked about in a, what are we going to do about the BC lines? Are they ever going to be back? Uh, you know, for the last few years, let, let's face it. And part of this is pandemic related, but really for the last few years, they have not been a good product. They have not been a winning team. They have not even been an exciting team. Their games have been boring. And frankly, it's a CFL-wide issue that the quality of the entertainment over the last few years just has not been up to par, certainly not up to par with the glory years of the CFL. Well, what the Lions have right now is what makes CFL football at its best so good and so entertaining. And that game they played against the Calgary Stampeders the other day on Saturday that people were actually talking about. Mm-hmm. And people are actually tuning in to watch that actually got social media traction was the type of CFL game that CFL fans, hardcore fans are like, see, that's this is why this league is so good. Tons of points scored, high scoring game, last second win for the BC Lions and all sorts of passing yards. Now, what the what the Lions have that's so special right now is Nathan Rourke, who's the young quarterback. He's Canadian. He has a great arm. Um, he's a bit of a gunslinger, too. Still yep. makes the odd mistake, and he's going to have to clean that sort of thing up. But he's also got an unbelievable receiving core. And I wonder, and maybe we can ask Rick about this coming up in the interview, if that was part of the plan, sure. like if Nathan Rourke is going to be our quarterback, let's surround him with the best possible receiving court that we can possibly sign and make sure that he has got every weapon that's possible because some of the catches that Brian Burnham made in his return to, uh, the lineup against the stamps showed why he is probably the most underrated Vancouver athlete of the last decade and why everyone loves this guy. He's coming back from a rib injury and had absolutely no problems going into uh, going into heavy coverage, taking hits, still catching the ball, and that's what like some of the throws like there there was one throw that Nathan Rourke made on the game winning drive that if he didn't have Brian Burnham that drive probably doesn't happen. Yeah. 
right? It was such a good catch, and he has got so many weapons. This BC Lions team is really fun to watch. They got something special. We're going to talk to their head coach, Rick Campbell, coming up next on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in this week for Mike Halford. Yes, it is Big Band Tuesday here on the show. The official automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. And uh, we, we will have to cut our Big Band Tuesday banter a little shorter than normal because we are very pleased to be joined by our next guest. He is the head coach of the 7-1 and BC Lions, Rick Campbell. Rick, thanks very much for doing this. How are you? You betcha. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. We're, we've had, been having a lot of fun uh, really the last couple weeks, last few weeks, but especially this week chatting about the BC Lions and everything happening with your football team. And I mean, you know, we were all really excited and the adrenaline was pumping watching that win in Calgary. What was it like for you on the sidelines to, to see that game? Yeah, for a regular season game, it, there were a lot of motions involved. So um, back and forth, um, you know, we got behind 20 to 3, but we kept fighting our way back. And, and I liked our guys, the look in their eyes. They were going to keep fighting. And I think we all thought that we, we were going to find a way to win. And, and we did. It took to the to the very end, but we got it done. And it's a big win for us to win on the road in Calgary. They're a good team. And so, you know, onward we go. I imagine when you've got the type of offense that you have uh, with Nathan Rourke, obviously the quarterback, and I'm going to say the best receiving core in the CFL, uh, certainly the best receiving core I've seen in BC in a while, um, there's always that confidence that you can come back from a pretty big deficit. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, part about being a good team is making each other right, whether that's the offense, the defense, or the special teams. And, you know, you, you, um, just try to make plays and, and keep going. And, and you're right. I think the continuity's paid off for us. We made an investment last year in some uh, guys that were either new to the CFL or new to the BC Lions, and we were able to keep the vast majority of our offensive players and our, um, our offensive coaching staff together. And so, um, you know, it's, it's definitely helped the cause. When Nathan threw the pick six, and we're, I, I don't know, uh, you know, that could have either been on Nathan or it could have been on a receiver that stopped running his route. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was a thing that went against the BC Lions and it didn't look good early on. Um, can you talk a little bit about Nathan's ability to bounce back from mistakes and not letting himself spiral and uh, uh, allowing himself to stay in the game and and put himself in a position to lead his team back for a win. Yeah, he's very he's very steady. Um, that's what I've been talking about of knowing him over the last couple of years here. Just his approach and his demeanor um, as he's on to the next thing. I think when something bad happens, he views it as a chance to correct something and 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 get back at it. Not a not an overly he's not he's not going to throw a temper tantrum or get overly upset or things like that he's obviously didn't want it to happen but he literally moves on to the next thing and he's really good about uh living in the moment and just one play at a time and and executing and we always talk about winning more plays than the other team and so he's really good at 
at moving forward, whether something really good happens or something bad happens, he's uh, he's on to the next play. What did happen on that play? What did you see from a coach's perspective? Yeah, we just had a little bit of miscommunication. So, and they they dropped uh, they dropped a defensive lineman, which is smart by them, and and we just ended up having a little bit of a miscommunication and. You know, stuff happens. We're gonna. We want to be aggressive. We don't want to be reckless, but we want to be aggressive and making sure we're um, um, pushing the ball down the field and doing those things. And and a lot of the times it works out. And you know, once in a while something bad's gonna happen. And that's why what I said about making each other right is um, that's what good teams do. Is when something does something bad happens, um, you get right back at it and um, and keep going. So. Um, you know, unfortunate play, but um, like I said, he was able to bounce back and keep going. How important is Brian Burnham to this team? I, I've said it that he's the most underrated athlete in Vancouver over the last decade, just under yeah. underappreciated um, his return to the lineup on yeah. Saturday and some of the catches. I, 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 was his, his injury was a, was a rib injury too because he didn't yeah. seem to be scared at all yeah, of no, the contact. It was, it was pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, he, so we all know what he does on the field, which is remarkable, and he made some really tough catches. So um, that, that part's great. We really, we really got a good insight to him when he was hurt, just the way he was around the team and helping other guys and, and being a good leader and a good teammate. He's also an excellent person. So we've been trying to do that too. As number one in sports, you have to have talent to win. If you don't have talent, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But whenever you can mix in character and solid people with the talent, it really helps because in pro sports you're going to go through these ups and downs and you're going to go through some tough stretches. And um, that, that's when you you need the people with uh, character to show up. And he he does that. He leads. He leads in all ways on, on by actions and through his talk and through everything. So we're we feel very lucky to have him. And I, I agree with you. He's a. I think he's a special player in this uh, this market. It's been really striking. Record in conversation with BC Lions head coach Rick Campbell. How how deep and balanced your skill position group is. And you know, just looking at the last game as an example, six different receivers had at least five catches in that game. You know, Brian Burnham led the way with with his big performance. You know. It can be difficult, I think, in any sport where where you're kind of sharing uh, all of the opportunities like that, right? And especially when you have star players at the position, at wide receiver, like Brian Burnham, like Lucky Whitehead. What's been the key to that group being kind of so so cohesive and, and the chemistry they seem to have out there on the field? Yeah, so that's the world you want to live in where the quarterback, you know, Nathan's not uh, saying, I got to get the ball to a certain guy. He's going to go through his progression and he's going to do you know, adjust based on what the defense is doing. And we have multiple guys that can step up and make plays, so it's much harder to defend. And I think our guys have bought into the team concept, um, you know, that winning winning is the is the goal. And so guys aren't playing for stats or anything like that. And um, when you do that, that's, that's, that's where you want to be because, you know, when you get understanding that winning helps us all um, – then, then that's a good thing. So that's our total credit to our players for buying into the to the key, the team concept, and all they care about is that uh, we have more points on the board than the other team at the end of the game. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your quarterback Nathan Rourke as well, because he he's really been you know one of the big stories of the summer here in Vancouver, a big story across the CFL. Obviously, you saw something in him to to go into this year with the starter uh, with him as the starter. When did you know that y- there was a chance for Nathan Rourke to be something special in this league? 
Um, I just thought he, you know, when that decision was made to make him the starter, I didn't, I didn't lose sleep over that one. It wasn't one of those things where I'm thinking, man, I hope this works out. I can't, I can't predict the stats or things like that, but I knew that he was going to be a, a good player that would always give us a chance to win. And he's a, he's a different guy. Um, I've just been around this league for a while now, and you see guys come through, and they, there's some guys that just have that it factor where they, um, you know, he's totally leads by example. His work ethic, his he's his steadiness, his reliability, all those things are great traits for a quarterback. And he doesn't have these wild emotional swings. So he um, he he's the same guy every day and shows up to work. And um, I, like I said, I can't predict the stats, but I'm not surprised that he's having uh, having success and that we're able to win with him. Hey, Rick, is that just a natural? personality trait for Nathan or does he work on it? I know, I know you mentioned, uh, after the game, you know, if you're into mindfulness and yeah, you know, meditation, no, is, is that, is, is that you speaking or is that actually Nathan Rourke practices that sort of stuff? Well, that's me. That's me speaking, but that's just how he, he lives. I would say he's wired that way, but mm-hmm. he also puts in a ton of work, um, to, he, you know, he he loves football. I've also said about him, which I think is very healthy, is I I think he treats this like it's the most important thing in the world. At the same time, he knows it's not. So I don't think his successor as a football player defines him as a as a human. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's healthy. That's for that's sure. a great place to to live in. Um, so you know, you know, good for him. And he's always been like that. It comes natural for him. He's not trying to put on a show for anybody or act a certain way. He's He's being himself, and at the same time, he's working really hard. And, um, you know, the quarterback's a position that's going to get spotlighted, so you have to be able to, um, you know, ride through the the waves of the good and bad and people talking about you and all those things. And he's he's confident in himself and steady, and so good for him. Speaking of putting the work in, will the team be working on special teams this week ahead of the game in uh, Regina? Yeah, I know we're. I know that's a focus right now, and we we need to get better in a lot of areas. I I've said you know the the bad news is we're not playing our best, but the good news is we're not playing our best. So if we can beat people not at our best, and we got room to improve, then we need to do that on in several areas, including special teams. Um, I know that's been a focus. We've actually done a lot of really good things, but we're not consistent enough, and we need to um, find that consistency. So, um, you know, we do a lot of good things. We made all our kicks. We recovered a fumble, um, but we can't give up the, the, the big returns. And so we're definitely working on that, and we have the the coaches and players to do it. And um, that's why I said a key is in any pro sports as it's the teams that improve steadily as the season goes on that have success at the end. So um, that's the commitment we need, we need to make um, is to, to keep finding ways to get, to get better at things. What specifically happens when kick coverage fails? Well, there's, it's been a crazy year in the CFL. There's been nine kick returns for touchdowns on, just on kickoffs, which is way more than yeah. normal. So I don't know what's going on as a league. <laughs> um, it's obviously exciting for the return teams, for the, the for the coaches. You'll you'll lose hair over it. Um, so there's a lot of exciting plays. I think the returners are really good. And um, example, Calgary's guy hits it a million miles an hour with courage, like he's not tiptoeing through there. He's right. going. And so you better you you can't be off. So if you if you miss a tackle or whatever, it's 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 out the gate. And um, Anyway, we there's stuff we can do. It's very 
fixable where we can uh, a put our players in better positions and then to um, you know make those plays and then we're not we're not having this conversation so um, we'll we're we're working on that and um, yeah we'll keep going Rick your team is gaining momentum in this market and we're getting more and me more people texting into our show and saying I just bought Lions tickets for the first time Great. in a long time. Uh, your next home game is August 26th, Friday, against the Rough Riders. Um, hopefully you're 8-1 and one at that point. What does it mean to your players when you have an engaged, big crowd at BC Place? It, it means a lot. I, I've given our fans credit, even during the pandemic last year when we had restrictions and stuff, the people that were allowed to show up are very vocal, very loud I've, our Hamilton game this year came down to the end, and when we were trying to make a defensive stand, the crowd was really good. So the fans have been excellent, and obviously when there's more of them, um, it's great. It's a, you know, CFL's a really good game. It's exciting. It's fun to watch, and there's been multiple games this year, including our game last week, that um, you know it's fun. It's fun to watch as a fan. It's not always as a coach. It'll drive you nuts, but it's a fun game to watch, and yeah, the more people we have out there, um, the better, and I just like our guys. We have a lot of, of, like I said, good good players, but also good people, and um, yeah, I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. It's been really interesting to watch the fan engagement grow this year, Rick, because you know I, I remember before the home opener there was so much hype, and it was the first season with the new owner uh, Amar Doman in place, and then to see the team back it up with their play on the field uh, has been really exciting. I wanted to ask you about uh, about Amar Doman and just. From your perspective, what kind of impact has he had as the owner on the organization so far? Yeah, he's he's excellent. Um, he's local, um, and he cares about the community, and he cares about the team, and he just wants to see it grow. And I think it's breathed some new life into it for the for the Lions people that have been around here a long time that work on the business side and and all that. The people that have been longtime BC Lions, I think. They appreciate everything from the past, but it also just was a new making some new investments in marketing and doing all that other stuff was was really good. And you know we're excited on the football side where we were a new coaching staff last year and uh, we brought in several new players. And so um, I think it's just a, a, a fresh start. And um, you know we're all excited about it. We're all excited about getting better, and we want to grow. And that's what the the mode we're in as an organization and as a football team is to to grow and get better and um and this is a great place to be i've I've been on the other sideline as a visitor at bc place in the past where there's forty thousand people there and you can't hear anything and um so i i remember all those things and there's no reason that can't happen again uh two games coming up against saskatchewan first on the road and then back at bc place the following week what's going to be the key uh, for your team in those games, yeah, we need to start. We need to start well. So we played in Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago, and we got down. And again, credit to our guys for clawing our way back into it. But we don't want to make a habit of getting behind early. So we need to start out of the gates fast. And they have a, they always have a big crowd in Saskatchewan, and it's loud, and it's a hard place to play. So um, that that's going to be a key for us. But we just need to to keep grinding away and. And, and getting these wins and there it's all big versus the west we play everybody three times anybody that's in the west so if you win two of the three you win the tiebreaker so if you finish tied in the standings you get it so those those are all big things that are happening for us and so um you know we did we were 
need to find a way to keep uh, keep pace in the West Division. It's a tough division, but uh, so far so good. Rick, we really appreciate your time and best of luck this weekend. Yeah, it's good to talk football. Thanks. Have a good day. Thanks, Rick. That is Rick Campbell. He is the head coach of the BC Lions, chatting about everything happening with his team, looking ahead to a couple games with Saskatchewan as well. And, you know, striking to hear how conscious he was of the buzz growing around the team, Mm -hmm. right, and how how much of a difference it makes, starting with the new ownership and now moving on to the fact that with the team playing well, yeah, fans are starting to get into it. Fans are really starting to buy into the team. The players notice when they go out onto the field. They know just the crowd. Some of these guys, not all of them, have played for massive college programs, mm-hmm. right? Or at the very least, they've played for a school that has gone in and played one of these big powerhouse teams, played in front of 70, 80,000 fans before. They know what it feels like. They also go to places like Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, and they're like, oh, this seems to be a good crowd here. Why can't we get a crowd like that? Now, they're professionals, so they find a way to get themselves motivated, and they also imagine that they enjoy the game, they enjoy the competition, and that's part of getting yourself hyped up for these games. But it does add something. When BC Place was full, and this is a long time ago now, it was a hard place to play. And when you came into... BC place and you were the opposition, it was tough, right? Like you couldn't hear, you couldn't hear the, the, the signal caller, right? And, and the fans would be really into it. I'm not naive enough to think that those days are coming back. I don't know if those days will ever come back, but you can still fill the lower bowl there. That is a perfectly reasonable goal and maybe open up a little bit of the upper deck and still have an atmosphere in there where it's loud and it's fun and the crowd can help the team. I think the real test will be when the playoffs roll around, right? If they're hosting a playoff game, if they're hosting, you know, a Western conference final yeah. with a and shot. And the weather's the- bad, right? Like yeah. you can't be like, well, I wanted to go, I don't know, water no. skiing today right? No. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Maybe skiing, but like, like if, you, no, if you're coming no, no, up no, with no, excuses, no, no, no. Yeah. right? Like, no, none of that. And that will be a situation where, we, we've talked about this this week where they have all of the pieces you could possibly want in place to sell these this team in this game, right? Yeah. Starting with Nathan Rourke. Well, then if you have all of that, and as you said, the weather is bad and you're in a game potentially, and you know, this is spitballing, who knows who will be hosting or whatever like that. But if they do end up there hosting a big time game like that, that's going to be the test to see what kind of, okay, how real is it? Are, are, are we going to see 40, 45,000 yeah. at a game like that? And, and, and here's the thing. They don't need to get the whole city on board. They just don't. There are going to be some people that just aren't into it. And you know what? That's their right as Mm -hmm. sports fans. The CFL has not done a particularly great job of marketing. The BC Lions haven't done a particularly great job of marketing. They have lost some fans. So we get people texting in like this person. The Lions would have to pay me to go watch a game. It's not exciting. Fine. That's your opinion. Yeah. I don't even blame you. Going to Lions games for the last few years hasn't been all that great. <laughs> hasn't been great. I haven't gone. I used to go all the time. I haven't gone. I don't want to be, you know, I don't feel this obligation as a local to support teams. I support teams that do a good job of running their operations. They don't even have to win, right? The, the Vancouver Canadians, for example, I love the season. 
because I think they do a good job and it's fun to go there. Mm -hmm. The BC Lions at times, the games haven't been fun to go to, but I think they are now. I think they're fun to watch. They're exciting. I got really into that Calgary game. How could you not? Right? But maybe if you're not a CFL fan and you never will be, fine. Right? And, and I think the CFL fans, there's two groups, the hardcore fans, and then the fans that are willing to give it a try. They're not like totally closed-minded. They're yep. like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a try. I used to like the Lions. And maybe we'll go back. I'd probably count myself in that group. Just be okay with the people that aren't going to give it a go. Don't, don't spend too much of your time telling them that they should go. Don't bang your head against the wall. Don't bang like your not, head against there's Not some everyone is going to like everything. It, That's right? fine. That's how it goes. Yeah. Right? And, and I find that, and, and, I, and I guess I kind of understand it. There's, there's a continuing, a small contingent of CFL hardcore fans that blame other fans. They blame the media. And the media, yeah. They blame, um, for some reason, never the team. But, or never the league, uh, but they blame others for why the league hasn't been as popular in this city. And I'm kind of like, you know what? You're not helping people. You're not, you're not helping your case by calling people idiots for not liking it or idiots for being suckers for the NFL's hype machine or whatever. Like, Hey, the NFL's doing great, right? Like maybe, maybe there's something to be said for that. Maybe they're onto something. Maybe they're onto something, right? Uh, the CFL hopefully will always have a role or a part in the Canadian sports culture. The Grey Cup still gets watched by millions of people every year. There are things, and I and I really like what Amar Doman has said in the past because he's actually said, like, listen, like, we can bitch and moan about things and how people aren't supporting mm-hmm. us out of an obligation, or maybe we can look at ourselves and go, hey, what can we do to improve this situation? How about some accountability from us? And that's what I like to hear and what they're doing right now. I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, they deserve your respect and you should go out there as an obligation. If you don't want to go, don't go. Honestly, I don't care. But what we are saying is that, you know, if you haven't been watching the team and you're not caught up, hey, it's more exciting now than it has been in quite a long time. So if you're willing to give it a try, now might be the time to do it. The product has gotten a lot better. And, you know, to your point about people blaming other fans, people blaming the media, this text comes in, right? And Sportsnet stunk at helping out the Lions and the CFL. Look, we all know who holds the rights to the CFL on TV and how that influences coverage. We understand that. But it's also not Sportsnet's job to help out the Lions and the CFL. That's that's not the role of a media company. That That's not how it works. And, you know, we, we get texts occasionally here at 650 saying, why why don't you guys talk about the lines more? Well, guess what's happened this summer? The lines have put out a really good, exciting product. Fans have gotten excited and we're talking about the lions more. Yeah. It, it was never going to be the media forcing people to pay attention and saying, and browbeating them with, Hey, this is a local team and a, a historic league. And we're going to talk about it, whether you like it or not. It always was going to have to be the team stepping up first that's happened, and the attention has followed. Yeah, we got another text in. You've supported the Canucks for the past 10 years, though, haven't you? Yeah, they're the top dog in town. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just are. Like, 90% of sports discourse in the city is based they, around the Canucks, and that's just how it's always been. They are the top dog. And 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 believe it or not, uh, I haven't supported some of their moves. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. I've been somewhat critical of the van. But you guys have the rights. You're not allowed to say anything. Oh, really? 
pretty sure I've been pretty critical of the team, regardless of uh, regardless of which station I've been at, regardless of whether I've had that station has had the rights mm-hmm. or not. Just just be honest, right, about the team. And I've been honest about the team, but I also recognize that when most people listen to sports radio in Vancouver, they're Canucks fans and they want to talk about the Canucks. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about other sports when they deserve our attention, like Canada's national soccer yeah. team. We're going to talk about them this year. Guess what? They qualified for the World Cup. That's cool. Yeah. We'll keep talking about that. And what the Lions have done in the last little while um, doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has to go to a Lions game, but I think it's an obligation for us to talk about good sports stories in this city. Well, and frankly, Brev, I think I speak for most guys here at the station. It's a breath of fresh air to have something else that people are really legitimately engaged in, that you can talk about and have conversations and people won't be upset about it. It's nice to have something else to talk about other than the Canucks, but that doesn't mean we're going to shoehorn things in guys, that I, people aren't engaged in. I'm going to tell you one thing, and I see this stuff on Twitter all the time, and it makes me laugh. And it makes me think, boy, I hope I don't do this in some capacity. And I'm talking about what people are doing. They say, like, Sportsnet just gets told by Toronto what to talk about. Guys, that does not happen. No. Do you no. know how do you know how often I talk or the morning show talks about the Blue Jays? Basically to make fun of Laddie. Like, how are the Blue Jays <laughs> doing Laddie? Much. Right? Like, we really don't. I have never, ever, this is a promise, but pro- bottom of my heart, ever been told what to talk about on the show. Ever. No. At either station, right? Like this isn't uh, like a Bell versus Rogers thing. They've never told us what to talk about. They tell us what ads to read and that's it. Yeah. You yep. make your show. When to go on air. You do what you want to talk about. And there's even a, that's debatable. There's, when a, to go on air. <laughs> there, there, there's a reason why Halford gets like five minutes every week to talk about Leeds United. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that I mean? You think that's a like, company directive? Yeah. yeah you that, think like, like, stop talking about it so much. That some, comes direct from Toronto. There's some suit in Toronto to be like, uh, has there been enough leads talk on the show? Because I, I feel like they're having, like, I talk way too much golf on the show. Right? Like, do you think do you think they want that? Don't you think they would prefer Blue Jays? But they don't run the show. It, it's the kind of thing where when you're on the inside, it's like, Man, the suits in Toronto, they've got their hands full with so many other things. They don't need to take time editing our rundown. <laughs> they, they don't have time for that. They don't have the interest in they that. They don't care. No, they, they absolutely they, do not they, care. They, they don't care. Uh, uh, Thomas Drantz yeah. is is coming up next. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie, I imagine you thought you might have been getting a bit of a vacation from Drantz, but know. you're going to I, you're gonna have to deal with him for another half hour. We'll I, get into uh, probably not so much DT Miller talk, but we'll get into some of these training camp questions. Uh, that we've got that might surround JT Miller. I don't know. Drancer is coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.